there are different levels of influence that we have, you know, you make more money than I do. So you get to use that, right, as a resource in your decisions that you make. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, business mentor, social media and sales expert, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to build the lives and businesses of their dreams. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life you love right now. We are also talking all things entrepreneurship and personal development, including wellness, social media, confidence, sales, business strategy, mindset, wealth building, and so much more. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. This is going to be a very special episode for you guys because I have brought on my fiance, Andrew, and we are going to have a juicy discussion about navigating relationships as an ambitious woman slash with an ambitious woman. And this conversation, this topic is so needed. Entrepreneurship is amazing. Being successful is amazing, but there are a lot of not so amazing things that come with the territory that people do not talk about. And one of those is how tough it can be to navigate relationships, especially like romantic relationships. There was one point in my life where I was genuinely concerned that I would just never find somebody who would be a good match for me or like wouldn't be intimidated by me. I heard so much as like a teenager and like young 20 something that like guys, boys, boys is more accurate, were intimidated by me or were like scared to ask me out or whatever. And I was just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to be like rich and alone for the rest of my life. <laughs> Thankfully, I do have my person and we have now been together for cumulatively like seven years, eight years. What would you say, Andrew? It's been about almost nine and we have a lot of experience and a lot of growth under our belt, even though we're not that old. I'm 26. He's about to be 29. But like I said, we've been together for quite some time. We have been through a lot. And I have him here today for not so much an interview, but a discussion about our relationship, what we've learned, our advice for other couples, and particularly for my fellow ambitious women, since that is really the main demographic of this show. And we have questions that you guys have submitted via Instagram recently, and you were not playing with some of these. Like, I'm really excited to go deep. You asked great questions. You know we don't do surface level here. So let's get into it. Are you ready, babe? Yes. So would you like to start with work-life balance, conflict and stress, finances, or mindset? Let's start with mindset. Okay, perfect. So this question comes from Allie Lawden. She said, did you discuss your ambitious dreams with Andrew first looking for approval or is it more of I did what I wanted and counted on him to help if I financially needed it or we were out of commission from one party for a while? And Andrew, do I ask you for permission to pursue my goals really? No, of course not. I never ask him for permission or approval for something, especially like decisions within my business, things that don't really apply to him. Now, if it was a goal that would like drastically impact our relationship or really 
significantly in any way like impact the dynamic of our relationship or like how much time we could spend together or if we had to like move to pursue it or whatever, of course I would discuss that with him. But when I set my goal of making a million dollars this year and like planned that out, I wasn't like, oh, hey, babe, what do you think about me making a million dollars this year? Like, what do you think of that? Is that okay? Like, hell no. It's my goal and it's what I want and it doesn't really affect him. If it did affect him significantly, then of course I would because we are a partnership, but I don't look to other people for approval on my goals, really no matter who they are. Yeah, I think that also kind of just has always been a theme for us of, first of all, we, that's something that we connected with early on was that we had goals, big big goals and big ambitions, and that we could see in, in each other that, we, you know, the other person wasn't afraid to go after what they wanted. That never was like, we've always been very independent in that way of like, you can do whatever you want. And, you know, obviously if that doesn't align with, you know, maybe our values or something that, that that's a, that's a whole nother thing. But I think that's why we've, you know, worked so well together for so long is because our values align. And when those align, then everything on top of that is just kind of extra. Yeah. And I think that's something that has made us really strong is like a core foundation of our relationship is like allowing each other to be their own person and have their own interests and their own goals and their own dreams. And then we also come together for like shared values and shared things that are really important to us. And I think that's a good segue to the next question. This is from Momo So Fit. She said, being the ambitious woman that you are, was there a time where your partner was not ambitious and did that affect your own? Did you feel like he always needs to match your ambition towards his own goals? And I think something we share just like spitballing off of the last topic is that we are both ambitious, but the way that it manifests or the things that motivate us can look very different. You know what I mean? So I think that there have been times where I didn't fully grasp the level of your ambition and I didn't really understand what you wanted or what was motivating you. And I think that maybe caused problems because your motivation looks different than mine. But understanding more now what motivates you and how it's different from me I think we work really well together and our like level of ambition is really compatible I agree I think that's something that comes with you know knowing yourself first and then figuring out how to understand the other person because yeah motivation looks different to everyone and you know there are common themes among people but and, you know, not to get too much into like Enneagrams, but, you know, since oh my God, I finally made him figure <laughs> out what his Enneagram number was, he couldn't like decide for the longest time or he was like between a couple and he was like, this, this is dumb. Like, this isn't real. And then I finally made him like sit down one day and read all of the explanations for each type. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a five. And then spent the rest of the day like reading about his Enneagram. And now he's, he's- yeah, as a true five, I consumed as much information as possible about Enneagrams and Enneagram fives for the entire day. Again, I mean, going back to that, that more of that is just understanding like the the different motivations between the two of us, you know, where Marie's motivations sometimes can lie from, you know, getting affirmations and recognition for her achievements, right? For doing great things. Whereas my motivation can come from knowing great things, understanding great things. That can be very internal, whereas hers is, you know, presents a little bit more externally. You know, for someone like Marie, who is very external with her ambitions and mine so internal, it's very hard, you know, for her to see 
what you know what's going on inside of my head all the time that has caused levels of exasperation for me like over the years of just I like to talk about what my goals are because they're really exciting to me and I don't ask him for approval but I'm like sharing what I'm working on and stuff and he's very like internal about everything he's working on I'm like so what did you do today like so what's going on like what are you working on he's like stop nagging me right <laughs> and you know vice versa you know me looking at you know how you look at motivation and all that sometimes it can you know, in a negative light, it can it can look like, oh, why are you why do you care what other people think about what you're doing or what they say, you know, their opinions and being so external with your ambitions? Uh, why is that so important? But that's something that I've come to understand, too. I'm also more motivated by like materialistic things, too. Like I'm really excited to like this launch. I bought a new purse to like celebrate and that was really exciting for me. Or I really care more about having like the nice house or like the right furniture or whatever and like I see how my goals support like all these kind of aesthetic goals that I have or like I'm in a very aesthetic inclined person like it's very important to me and Andrew is very utilitarian he's like why do we need to get a bar cart for our house like why can't our collection just go on the counter I don't understand I'm like because it's a vibe it's a vibe like it's a, a bar car is a whole vibe. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, that, that how we balance each other out on, right. Where we can both, if we go the extreme of how we do things that can, you know, not necessarily be the best way to do something, you know, where I can be very minimalistic and, and live, you know, in a really nice box <laughs> with nothing in it versus, you know, where you can live in a place where you have an abundance of things and a lot of things you probably don't need. I feel like we definitely balance each other out there. Yeah, me providing yeah utilitarianism to your aesthetic appeal and, and understanding what looks good. So I feel like Andrew's like ambition or how he expresses his ambition has never like dampened mine or anything like that. But there have definitely been times where like how our ambition is expressed has caused friction in our relationship. But that has just taught us how to like communicate better. Yeah, and that's a big you know topic too of like even when things are bad, you have to understand that they can be learning opportunities. And if, if you don't take them as such, then, you know, relationships be can become bad quickly. You know, I mean, that's the, what's the divorce rate in this country, you know, it's over 50%. And so it's not that things are always good. It's that when things are bad, you know, you can go back to those values, right? And those shared values. And if you have them, and, you know, unless, you know, your partner has done something that's just, you know, either evil or, you know, something, something that goes against, you know, like one of your core values, you should be looking to learn from like come to a point of understanding with each other. Yeah. And grow from that, you know, use those as, yeah, as growing opportunities. I'm interested to hear your perspective on this and how you have perceived my journey in entrepreneurship. This is from Ventured X Gained. She said, what about mindset shifts? You've obviously had to overcome and continue to work through various mental and mindset challenges and are likely operating at a higher business and personal level from putting yourself out there, chasing after your dreams, advocating for yourself, meditation, however this looks. Not higher than you, but higher than when we met and stuff. Has he met you there? Have you worked on it together? Is this a current struggle or something you accept? So I guess what I'm gleaning from this I was like, Andrew, what is your perception of the level of growth that you've seen from me since we first met, right? Because we met when I was 17, I think. We met when I was 17. 17 or 18, yeah. Yeah, I was going to be a senior in high school and you were like a, you were going to be a junior in college. So 
obviously I'm a very different person, but especially relating to how entrepreneurship is like a catalyst for self-growth. How do you see that playing out in our relationship? Because you've just recently kind of taken a more entrepreneurial type of career path than you ever have been before. So what is your like kind of outsider perspective? On your growth in... Like my mindset, self-awareness, like all that stuff within our relationship. How has the trials and growth that have come from entrepreneurship impacted our relationship or has it not? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's always been a core ingredient in our relationship, right? Which is, I mean, first and foremost, we're both people that do not accept underachieving and settling for, you know, just getting by. You know, that's, that's one of our core values, right? It's just like reject mediocrity. Yeah. Like where it's like, not necessarily like you have, you know, this like killer mentality of like, you have to be on top or, you know, if you ain't first, you're last, it's nothing like that in, in my perspective, but it's the, you know, the whole, like, we are striving for excellence. And if you're not on that train, then you're on the wrong train. This isn't where you're supposed to be. And so going off of that, I think, you know, something that goes along with that is that, you know, you've always been open-minded, right? I mean, we both have, but I, we're speaking of, of about your growth. And, and the fact that you've been open-minded is that, it, you know, reflects that you are open to growth, right? And so where you started and, and where you are now is, is a direct correlation to who you are, which is you're an open-minded person who's always trying to get better, always trying to improve. And so I think you've made tremendous strides, you know, in, in your mindset and, and all of that. I mean, to give examples of, I mean, you're the type of person that also has to try something, right, before you can. Like, I have to actually, like, go through with it to learn from the mistake. Is that what you mean? Yeah, most of the time, I think. Yeah. You won't take someone's word for it, necessarily. <laughs> right? And which, you know, is a good and bad thing, right? Because it's something that you're like, you're willing to follow through with things. Like someone will give me advice and I'll say like, thank you for your opinion. And then like, just go do it. Anyway. Yeah, because you understand yourself and you trust yourself, which is big. It's a double-edged sword, right? It's like, you're, it, it's what makes you grow, but like, it also slows you down. But, it, but there's no other way. <laughs> there's no there's no other way for you to do it and do you feel like you meet me on that level like in your own way you're not necessarily an entrepreneur but do you feel like you have met me on that level of inner work because that was part of the question as well you speak on that you know for me but yeah i think that's also been one of my core values again we have these shared core values right well especially like you said you're an enneagram five which means that you are always like inquiring always super curious always wanting to master things and that includes i think self mastery and so even though you don't have the same kind of catalyst that i found in entrepreneurship right because if i have mindset shit coming up it's going to manifest in my business and that's always really good motivation for me to like fix the mindset shit whereas you maybe don't have that same level of like stakes of, oh, if I don't fix this, like my business is going to burn down or whatever. But like, just because that's your personality and that's core motivator for you, you are always doing that work too. I wish there had, you know, maybe they had provided an example of something they were asking about. Well, they said, example, putting yourself out there more, chasing after your dreams, advocating for yourself, meditation. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's ever been a problem. So I don't think it's necessarily like, 
oh, I need to be with another entrepreneur. It's more like I need to be with someone who has the same core motivations as me. Okay, let's move to conflict and stress. I think that kind of goes off of this nicely. Are there any ego issues? This one is good. Does Andrew feel threatened or jealous related to your business success? This is from L Keeling 76. And I feel confident throwing this on you because I know like you you don't. Yeah, do do I feel jealous of your success? Do you feel threatened or jealous or like do you feel like your ego is triggered by right, how successful right, I am? Right. So the the short answer to that is a, is no. Is a, absolutely not. The longer answer is why would I be? Because you're the man. Yeah, right. But like, <laughs> again, going back to the, I'm going to reference this the whole podcast, our core values, right? Of always trying to, we're not living in the past, right? You and I do not live in the past. We live in the present and the future. And the past would say that, yes, the men have to bring in more money than the women. But like, it's not 1950 anymore. Like, come on really <laughs> like i love the fact that you bring in a lot of money why would i right like it make it only makes your life better oh man like that, that's amazing i cheer you on for that right like that i'm i'm your biggest fan because like that directly makes my life better and not to say like that gives me a pass to just sit around and eat you know, a whole pack of thin mints today I do that yeah yeah but <laughs> god i mean yeah, that, you know, if your ego is so fragile that your woman cannot make more money than you, like. That's a good little nudge that you have some shit to work on. Bring it on. Make more money. Let's go. You know, like, why would I, you know, I would never discourage Marie from making more money. Good God. Or just in general, like, pursuing her dream. I feel honestly that, like, maybe I've been more triggered by me making more money than you. Really? Yeah, you know, we have fought over this like a lot more times. Elaborate. We fought about this from that side versus yours, like you being triggered a lot more times because there have been times where I've been like, babe, I really want to buy this like $5,000 couch, like split it with me. It's like our shared like living stuff, right? Oh, are you down to split it? And like at that point, especially when this specific instance was happening, Andrew is not making nearly as much money as me because he was kind of between jobs and stuff. And he was like, I'm, I can't split that with you. Like I don't make your level of income and it's not fair for you to expect me to split that with you. I'm like, well, but it's our couch. Like we're sharing it together and like, blah, blah, blah. Like we should split it. And I think there have been times like that where I'm like, you need to make as much money as me, or we need to be making similar amounts of money so that we can live the lifestyle that I want to live more than anything. And then I kind of just realized like Andrew doesn't value the same things as me in that regard. Like we have the same core values, but like you don't give a shit if we have like a $1,000 couch versus a $5,000 couch, or you don't care if we have like this bougie thing versus like the one that's going to get the job done. So it's not fair for me to like project that desire onto you and expect you to like pay for the thing yeah, that I unnecessarily want. And I think that's a, a very interesting discussion too, because when you get to the core of it, that someone's always going to be making more than the other, unless you make the exact same amount of money. I also think that was more triggering to me when like there was a period in my business that I felt really insecure in my business's growth. And so it was like, well, shit, if I don't make this money, no one's going to. 
or like if I don't make this happen for us, like it's just not going to happen. And so that was really triggering. Whereas now I feel I've ridden many highs and lows of my business and like I trust that everything is working out. And I also have a lot better (laughs) grip on like financial planning and like all that stuff. But I think that that was another reason why it was triggering is because it was like, oh shit, like if I want to live the way I want to live, it's a higher proportion like is on my shoulders. Well, that's interesting too, because it's never been a matter of like satisfying me. No, it's all, I'm always the one that wants more. (laughs) So, right. So it's like, it's on you, you put it on you. And that's one of your personalities, right? That's again, one of those double, double double-edged sword things where like, you put pressure on yourself, but that pressure makes you better. But it's also pressure. So it's like, it sucks, but it's also helping you. Yeah. So I feel like maybe there, I don't know if that's an ego thing or an insecurity thing, but I feel like I've been more triggered by that than you have over the years, which is interesting. And people would assume the opposite. Oh, Valerie Calderon said, what do you disagree about most often and how do you resolve it? What do we disagree on most often? That's a good question. Probably what to watch on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) honestly yeah one of your most annoying traits is that andrew's like let's watch a movie and then he sits down wait 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 wait, wait. hold on hold on you need to preface that though so one of my annoying traits is that i know better movies and tvs shows than marie does because he deep dives into (laughs) movies and tv shows because i study it (laughs) no i'm joking but in all seriousness because i Actually, because I think I enjoy watching movies more than Marie does. He does appreciate them more than me. But what will happen is he'll be like, oh, you want to watch a movie? And I'll say yes. And then we'll sit down to watch a movie together. And he'll have already picked one out without like, and just like clicks play on it. Like not, are you ready? Does this movie sound good to you? Are you down for this? Like he'll just click play. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Like what the hell are we watching? Because I'm not like, I did not. I did not concur. <laughs> and I think that's probably right. our most common like petty argument. I think just really we have like dumb fights. I think most fights are dumb. Yeah, for sure. But we, <laughs> we fight about, I think we've been so good about communicating about like the really important stuff, which we definitely have fought about in the past too. But like most of our arguments and stuff are just dumb. I feel like we had a fight where we like yelled at each other recently, but I can't even like remember what it was about. I remember. What was it about? Well, you wanted to go on a walk with the dogs. Oh yeah. I asked him if he wanted to go with for a walk with me because <laughs> our dogs are in here and they just got so excited. Because we had been snowed in with snow apocalypse and I was getting cabin fever and I had this small window in my work day to go for this walk and I was like, "Do you want to go for a walk with me? We have to go in the next 30 minutes." And he said, "Yes." And then it's like the 30-minute window where we had to start our walk was creeping up and he was just like merrily like just walking around the kitchen making a lunch and like cooking and was in the middle of something. I was like, are you kidding? Like this was my one window of my entire day to go for a walk and like for us to spend time together. And you just like totally blew it off. So that's what we fought about. And I did legitimately throw a temper tantrum about it. (laughs) I was big mad. And uh, now we're over it. We clarified our communication, wasn't it? It was a great opportunity to clarify our communication. It was. No, see, again, it was was a learning opportunity. Uh, All right. This is one of the most common, like, these were the 
the biggest majority of questions were about how we handle finances because I talk a lot about how much money I make in my business. And when I talk about how much money my business makes, that does not necessarily correlate with how much money I make. However, how much I pay myself has definitely gone up with the more like financial success my business has. And if we have a big quarter, I get a quarterly bonus and all that stuff. So they are related. But also do remember that when an entrepreneur talks about how much money they make in their business, it's not necessarily that's it's definitely not how much money they pay themselves. If I say I have a six figure launch, that doesn't mean that I just made a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> My business did, and there are lots of expenses associated with that, but I digress. A few of the questions were just kind of general about how we like section off our finances, how we separate them or don't. So the body image OT, Kiriana Crow, Amelia Noel. Those are the people that ask questions. Basically, how do we currently handle finances? Do we have separate accounts, same accounts? Why is it going to change once we get married? Kind of just what's our logistical approach? And this is something that we actually have thought about in the past. And then we came to an understanding. Yeah. I wouldn't say fought. We've argued about it. Well, when I say fight, I don't mean like we were like swearing at each other, like degrading each other, being like emotionally or verbally abusive by any means. Like when we fight, it's like we're both just passionate about our opinions, but it's not ever about like I hate you or like trying to hurt the other person. It's like sometimes I just want you to understand what I believe so badly that I have to yell it at you. (laughs) But usually I'm the one kind of yelling more. Yeah, and I think it's like, well, also just in general with that is that you know fights and arguments i mean they're i'm a big fan of just getting it out there yeah and the way that i view it is they're debates right because you have two different opinions and that's actually one of another grievance with you is you just you'll always play like devil's advocate i'm a great debater oh absolutely no and i I get that from my dad oh for sure so frustrating like you i know you don't even believe what you're saying but you just like no and i know it's frustrating and it like fuels me for some reason oh my god (laughs) this is what i have to deal with i think i mean first of all i think all arguments are are, should be debates right or and they should be productive with like the common goal of like coming to a greater understanding even though there's emotions involved i know that's a very unemotional way of talking about it because there are emotions involved in that especially when it's not a debate over just like what car should we get or you know what i mean like finances are a big one marriage kids all that like how you're going to raise your kids. Those are all very emotional. But what I wanted to open that up with is there's one thing that we always do about finances. We talk about it. We 100%, we talk about it and we we are honest about it. Like I, Marie, I will show Marie my bank account. Marie will show me her bank account. Like there's no like, right? There's no secrecy behind the money that we have, you know, except for the stash of cash that I have buried in the backyard. Yeah, <laughs> no, but we talk about it. We discuss it. When you don't do that, it just makes it so much harder. And it's one of those things that is you make yourself vulnerable, right? Especially when you don't make the same amount of money, especially when someone makes a lot more money than you do. It can be very scary. It can be very, you know, embarrassing. It can be, you know, all these things. But what I found is that when you talk about it and you get past that emotional insecurity and embarrassment and and whatever, you know, I mean, it's kind of like getting naked, right? Like I work as a loan officer and that's something we talk about in the industry is when someone applies for a loan for a mortgage for a house, they have to essentially get financially naked in front of you. 
Which is so triggering for a lot of people. Because in our culture, it's just like we don't talk about money. Exactly. So once you can get past, I think that's one of the most important things financially, especially in a relationship, but just in general to put in your mindset of like, you, you shouldn't necessarily hide your finances. I mean, you shouldn't show everyone your finances. I mean, that's not what I'm saying, but you need to be confident. There needs to be a level of transparency. With Yes, yeah. with, with your finances and in the relationship. Yeah. Otherwise, how are you supposed to be on the same page? And how is your relationship supposed to go anywhere significant, right? Like if you are currently dating someone that you think could be the person that you marry or the person that you buy a house with or the person that you have kids with, like how can you not talk about your money? Like you really want that to be a surprise when you guys like apply for a loan, you apply for a mortgage and they're like, oh, by the way, I have like $200,000 in debt. Like that's never a conversation that you want like as a surprise. It empowers you when you do that, right? Because then you can start making decisions together as a partnership, right? As a couple, you know, and it, and that's the, the other thing too, is like when, when you're living with someone, you're married to someone, your finances, I mean, it's called buying power, right? And so when you're applying for a mortgage, if both people have good to, you know, decent to good credit, you know, if someone doesn't have good credit, they're not going to be on the, on the loan. But if both of you have decent credit, but someone has a lot, makes them a lot more money than the other person, you still want to combine both of those incomes, Right. Because the income is shared between the two people, you know, for that entire household, not necessarily, you know, one, they don't average it, but we don't average it between the two people. So that's, you take that in consideration. It's, it's not necessarily how much money you make. It can also be how much money you and your partner make as a team. I think we kind of take like a hybrid approach to finances in terms of we see ourselves as a team. We communicate really openly about finances. We, create financial plans together, but we don't really, we, in small areas, but overall we don't share our money. Oh yeah. I didn't talk about that. Yeah. We don't have shared accounts. We split all of our essential expenses that we do together. So our mortgage, we pay our own car payments. We divvy up our utilities. We share expenses on like our pets and stuff, home upkeep things. But for things that are optional or I require a higher and higher price point for like our furniture or our trips or things like that. Like I will definitely pay a higher proportion of the expense. One, because I make more. Two, because if it was up to Andrew, we would not be buying or doing things nearly as expensive as when it's up to me. Like if it was up to Andrew, we wouldn't stay in like the bougiest hotel. We wouldn't like go out and go to like the nicest restaurants we wouldn't get like the super nice trendy furniture we would like go to ikea and stuff which is fine but that's just not what i want and that's something that i used to have a problem with i like kind of have a hard time like explaining why i had a problem with it now because i can be objective now and it makes a lot of sense but because of that i definitely foot the bill more often for those types of things simply because i can i have more disposable income and also because I value it a lot more. And like, it's not really Andrew's interest or decision. Like we're really doing that stuff for like my benefit. Yeah. And it starts with a conversation. Right. Yeah. That was something that we had to really talk about. And that used to be something that I had like some level of resentment about. But then once we talked about it, 
it was better. And there was also a time where after we got engaged, which we've been engaged for over a year now, freaking COVID. Still have, <laughs> Elvin started planning our wedding. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but when we first got engaged, it was weird because we were like, yeah, nothing's going to change. Like we've been living like we're married like this whole, you know, for years now. And it was weird. Like as soon as we were engaged, everything actually felt kind of different. We we're like, oh, we're like really a team now. Like we're like doing this. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, right. We were both like, no, nothing's going to change. And then we were like, okay, everything feels different in a good way, in a good way. But we started talking more about like, what are we going to do with our finances when we got married? And Andrew at first was a very strong proponent of just sharing bank accounts. Like everything is centralized into our family bank account. And I get it because it's like, yes, you're a team. You become a unit, like everything together. I was like, trust me, you don't want that because number one, I have, again, I have a lot more expensive taste than him and it's not fair to really like expect him, especially because I make more money too, right now at least. It's not really fair to expect him to like cover that or like drain your disposable income when it's not significant to me in some areas. And number two, my hobby and passion is the most freaking expensive hobby I have ever heard of. I, If you're new, I'm an equestrian. I do show jumping and horses are exorbitantly expensive. It's like just setting your money on fire every month. <laughs> I think it'd be cheaper to just light your money on fire. Exactly. Less dangerous for sure. So that was the other thing. I was like, trust me, you don't want that. Like I have a super expensive hobby. Like the horses that I ride are anywhere from like fifty to a hundred thousand dollars just for the horse. And then you have to pay monthly expenses and show fees and trainer fees and all of the equipment is insanely expensive. And like your clothing, everything is so expensive. And I'm so fortunate to be in the sport. I'm so fortunate to be back doing it at a way earlier age than I ever thought. But like, I never wanted my passion to become a source of friction or like stress on our relationship. And so I like was a very, very against us sharing a bank account for that reason. I didn't want him to have a say. And I also didn't want him to worry about how much money I was spending on horses. Like I made that money, my business funds, that passion of mine. I don't want you to either have a say in it or worry about it. I wanted to go through with the combined, you know, bank accounts at, at first. And then after, you know, having that thought and then, you know, letting time go by and thinking about it and kind of just using that frame of reference to analyze, you know, every, you know, all the decisions and things that came up after that, it actually, I reversed my opinion on that. And it's actually, to me now, it's actually a lot easier, especially with things, you know, like Venmo and Square Cash, like splitting things and like, sharing them, you know, sharing money between people is so easy now that having one bank account doesn't actually, it doesn't seem like it actually gives you an advantage necessarily. Whereas back in the day, you know, you didn't have things like that. So the only way to transfer money between two accounts was you had to take money out. Or like write them a check. Yeah, yeah. write someone a check or like it was very slow. And so having all of your money pooled into one thing actually, you know, kind of made sense because of the ease, you know, of that. But like, now it's like, yeah, sharing money between two people is so easy now. I also think it's like important that we don't nitpick about it either. Like we have like, okay, we split shared stuff, but it's not like 
we basically just switch off who pays for groceries and we're never like, oh my God, it was 175 when I paid and now you're only paying 150 Like we're, we're not nitpicky about it. We just have a general framework that we work within and it all comes out in the wash. Yeah, I was gonna say stuff like that. Yeah, we will like alternate, you know, on spending. But also <laughs> something that, you know, I hadn't thought about was like, how do people buy each other gifts when they have shared accounts, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you wanted it to be like a lavish gift, which gifts are one of my love languages. So I'm like, I don't need to look at your bank statements. Like, you just buy me things and they'll show up. <laughs> Soph T. Fit said, how does Andrew feel about your business and your investments? And this also piggybacks off of my business manager put in a question, Brooke. And she was just saying, like, do you ever consult with Andrew when you're making big decisions for your business and my immediate reaction to Brooke was hell no (laughs) but um what how do you feel about my business and especially when I make like very large investments you don't think you can solve me I do I will bounce ideas off of him and I will like (laughs) oh that's that's what it's called okay yeah (laughs) here's the difference though okay I trust Andrew's opinion and he's really good at being objective about situations I might have more like emotional stake in how many times did you ask me about which oh my god shut up okay (laughs) so so I had a really hard time picking who was going to be my next like right-hand person in my business and I did go to you with, with that And I talked to you about it at length, basically laying out the pros and cons and the strengths of each candidate and whatever. But the difference is you had like no weight in the final decision, especially on a financial level. Like I trusted your opinion because I just needed someone that I trusted to like consult me. But it wasn't you saying like you can't spend this amount of money on this person or like I don't want you to spend this amount of money on this person. Is that a thing? Yes. What? Yes. So like (laughs) there are a lot of times when we'll do sales calls for Online Coach Kickstart or any of my programs, private coaching even, and people will be like, "Mm, I really need to like ask my husband. But isn't that just kind of like a standard sales cop out? It is in a lot of cases. But in some cases too, people genuinely like do consult their significant other for their business investments, which to me is not very CEO of you. And actually that now that you say that, so in my sales experience, I've definitely had way more sales calls with guys. Yeah. And you probably don't hear that much. I hear it sometimes, but it's not of like, I need them to like make a decision or whatever. It's more just, Hey, I need to mention this to my wife. or my. Yeah. I need to like give them a heads up yeah. versus like, I need to ask my husband if this is okay. Yeah. Right. So that's something that like, even if I go to you for your opinion and perspective and like for you to help me kind of distill my, like all the thoughts in my brain, you're never the one making the final call or you're never the one saying like, no, because of money. I'm not on your LLC. Right. He's not on my team. We don't pay him. It's not his money. Like I think that is kind of the disconnect here is like people who maybe aren't very far along in their business or don't have a business, they are not thinking like a CEO yet. So they see the money that you make as your money, like your personal money versus the money your business makes is separate from you and then your business pays you. So I would never 
ask Andrew for permission to spend my business's money. I would never ask Andrew if he approved. You would never ask me to spend your personal money either. Also true. (laughs) (laughs) The only times I've ever asked Andrew about like, what do you think in a financial sense has been like, let's say right now we're saving for our wedding. So let's say if I had to like drain our wedding savings account because I wanted to invest it into something else and then that would like push back our wedding date. Like that, I would absolutely ask you about. You would ask me about, but you would not ask me for permission necessarily. No, yes, I would. I would respect if you were like, no, I like, I really want to get married at this time. Like, I would rather you found that money elsewhere or something like that. Like, I would respect that. But I think that also would have to be a mutual agreement of that it's important. It's equally important to both of us. Because I think if like one of us wanted to get married right away, but the other didn't, that's the start of an argument, right? Yeah. Because there's a disagreement on I have an opinion and I want something versus you have an opinion and you want something. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the million dollar question, right? Like how do couples navigate things like that? Um but again and, and there's no like one answer, right? It's it's not like here here's how you do it. But I think it does come down to you talk about it. You talk. You have those discussions. Right. You like lay it all out on the table. Right. Like you have arguments, right? But with the goal of like we're doing this because we're trying to resolve something. We're trying to get Pat, you know, become better as a couple because of it. A phrase that's always really helped me is like, it's not you versus the other person. It's both of you versus the problem. Even when we fight, we're like working together to like find a solution to the thing that we aren't agreeing on. But anyway, so Andrew feels fine about my business and investments because I love your business and investments. <laughs> because they're my business and they're literally not his business. But I will like bounce ideas off of him or get his feedback on stuff because he's super intelligent and objective and I trust his opinion. But he's never calling the shots. He's not a stakeholder in my business. He doesn't have a role in my business other than being a beneficiary <laughs> and like a support. So That's how we handle finances. And I would encourage you if you're an entrepreneur, like you need to make decisions as a CEO. Your business's money is not yet your money until you pay yourself with it. And your financial decisions within your business should be separate from your financial decisions in your relationship or even in your personal life. And that again is like a CEO mindset shift of like zooming out and being objective. Right. And I think also too, like, you shouldn't feel like your partner has like control over you yeah, or power over you. You know what I mean? Yeah. There are different levels of influence that we have, you know, right? Like you have, you make more money than I do. So you get to use that right as a resource in your decisions that you make, especially the women entrepreneurs that listen to your podcast, you need to be making decisions that are first and foremost benefiting you. Right. You know, and if you're in a relationship, you know, obviously they're not going to negatively impact your partner. But it's one of those things where it's like it's your life that you share with someone else, but it's your life first, right? At the end of the day, even if you're married to someone, you're not physically tied to them. You're emotionally tied to them. Like you are your own before you're someone else's. That's what I mean, right? And so, exactly, it's the whole you know, like fill up your cup before you. So I say as long as it's not like detrimental to your relationship or it negatively is going to impact the other person, like why should you have to ask? 
And also, why be in a relationship with someone who's not going to be supporting and cheering you on? Like, I can't think of something like a decision that you would make that I wouldn't support. Y'all, I even was like, I think, so I'm horse shopping right now, which is like a whole thing, which God bless Andrew, because I want to spend an insane amount of money on a horse. And here's the thing with horses, monthly upkeep trainer fees all the things and also they could literally hurt themselves just like going outside one day and have their career be over and andrew's still like yeah babe spend that money however you want to spend the money like do the thing go for your passions whatever and he's like totally supportive of it even though logically like being a horse girl is insane so not only that but i was like i think i want to get like a second horse i don't even have my next horse yet and he's behind that and then i was like i think i want to import my next horse like i think that would be a really cool project he was like okay have fun with that and just like didn't even bat an eye i think part of that is i've just conditioned you to like accept my shenanigans <laughs> condition yeah Okay. I mean, I would never be in a relationship with someone who tried to like control me, but also I still also really appreciate that about I mean, you. What's the alternative? We just wouldn't be together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the alternative could be could be like I really think that we should like invest that money into a property or something instead. I mean, we could buy a second home. We could probably buy two homes. We could pay another mortgage. And so that's the thing is like if you were like, let's think about this. Like, I really want us to consider this option like i know you'd never be like no you can't do that but i i would listen if you were like i think let's explore what this money could do elsewhere or something yeah you'd listen yeah. and then you'd go and do whatever you <laughs> wanted to do in the first place <laughs> not totally true if you had a good argument about how that second property would in the long term let me have like three horses instead of two then i might listen yeah i mean that's that's true yeah simple math it's fourth grade spongebob <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to move on to work-life balance, and I think this is our last big chunk of the topics. So a lot of the questions were like, how do we find time to spend together? How do we handle work-life balance? How do we set boundaries with work? So if you want to lead the way, what is kind of our approach? I think we're pretty flexible. What do you think? Spending time together? Yeah, like work-life balance, prioritizing our relationship, and also prioritizing like our individual lives and goals. This is a complicated answer, too, because it also depends on what stage in the relationship. Yeah, if we were just dating, then like you'd have to really try to make time for each other. Versus we've lived together for so long. We both work from home. Like We could spend every waking second together. And here's something to consider, too, is you know, not to get too scientific about this, but I can't remember the percentage, but it's like 95% of the things that we do during the day are subconscious, yeah. our habits. So if you're new in a relationship with someone. Yeah, you have to go out of your way. You're doing things that aren't habits. So it feels like you're investing a lot of time and energy to spend with that other person. And you have to decide if it's worth it or not, you know, consciously. When you've been with someone for nine years... Has it really been nine years? It has. I'm going to be 29. Yeah, I'm 26. Well, we broke up for like a year and a half. I've known you for that long. Yeah. Life. Which, by the way, if you have questions about how we met, why we broke up, 
what we're going to do for our wedding, how he proposed, any of that stuff. We do have another episode. I can't remember the number off the top of my head. It'll be in the episode notes, but like we have recorded another episode together just about like our origin story and just like general relationship advice. So listen to that. But anyway. Yeah. When you've been with someone for, you know, eight or nine years, which again, in the grand scheme of things is, is not that long even. I mean, for how old we are, that's long. Yeah. So a lot of the things that we do together are habits. And so it doesn't take a lot of effort, you know, to do those things. Right. Like it takes like no thought at all for me to like make lunch for the both of us or like ask him when he wants to go for a walk together. Like that's just ingrained. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, so I always joke, like we actually, I think we, we try to think of ways to not spend time together. (laughs) Literally like I'm going to do my own thing tonight. Is that cool? That's cool. Great. Especially, you know, since we both work from home now and, you know, COVID and quarantine, you know, we've been together for a long time, which, again, is not a bad thing. You know, a lot of people would, I think people have asked you, like, oh, how do you, like, deal with spending so much time together, you know, in quarantine? And do you ever get sick of each other and stuff? And I don't know. I mean, God, no. You know, I mean, you tell me. Really, the only time that we spend apart right now is, like, when I go to the barn. And that's like, I'll be gone for physically apart. Yeah. Yeah. Like in a different location will be when I go to the barn and that's like anywhere from like three to five hours apart from each other. And like literally every time I leave the barn, I either do or want to call him because I miss him. <laughs> like, Hi, I'm coming home now. Like, cause I'm excited to talk to him again. The reason I said physically apart is because when we're, even when we're home together, we're not together. We make a point to like do stuff. Well, we work separately. I mean, you work in your own room. I work in my own office. Yeah, we have our own offices. We're on different schedules during the day, stuff like that. And we like, we're not on top of each other. Even though we're coexisting in the same place and everything, like we have our own space. It feels like we we really come together after the workday, right? Uh, whatever time that is and which speaking of work-life balance how do we make sure we spend enough time together then which I would say we're pretty flexible about we don't have like you must be done working every day at this time and part of that is because of our the industries we're in I could be a little bit more strict about that but sometimes I just get really excited about my projects and I'll be like I'll just work late but Andrew especially in his industry, from what I have observed, he does need to be more like available kind of at non-work hours because the mortgage industry does move really fast, at least here in Austin. Like it, it moves pretty fast. So well, sporadic work, yeah. yeah. Right. Like you might not be working like for an hour or two in the middle of the day, but like if something comes through at 7 p.m. after we finish dinner, like you kind of have to get on that. So I think we're flexible, but we, again, it's just like we communicate about, we're like, oh, what time do you think you'll be done with work today? And then we have that expectation of we both try to be done with work by that time so that then the rest of the night, we know that that's like time for us together. You know, we're not perfect on that. I mean, some nights it feels like, you know, we'll be doing different things and, you know. And there will be nights where we're both done with work, but we don't even spend time together. But again, it comes to, we talk about it, you know. If someone's feeling like we're not spending enough time together, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just be like, I'm lonely. (laughs) (laughs) I will literally be like, attention me. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, I think that's just important. And freaking communication. I know that that's so cliche to hear on like a relationship podcast or discussion, but 
I swear to God. Oh, it's so true. It's not easy. I mean, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy. So a couple of people asked me this one. Brie Khan and Better Boundaries Brooks specifically, is working full-time with you something that interests Andrew? It seems as if so many more women are having their partners join them in their businesses these days. Does that interest me? This person asked if it interested you. Another person asked, have I ever thought about bringing you into my business? And my answer is, hail to the no. <laughs> yeah, I think we've definitely talked about it, but I don't think I would want to work with you. I think we like having separation. We like having our own things. I also think that we talked earlier about how Andrew and I operate differently and how we pursue our goals. And I think that that would cause tension between how he would operate in my business. And also I would have a really hard time. I think the only way that it could work if it is if it became our business. Yeah. We'd have to have a shared like project. Right. It would have to become our business. And I just don't really see, first of all, me being willing to like give it up or like share it in that way. And then I also don't see logistically even how that would work because my business is so much about my like online presence, me being the face of it. And you, while you're open and like you're here doing this podcast with me and stuff, like you're not really a super visible part of like my brand. Making it from my business into our business would be difficult. It would only be able to be our business behind the scenes. And I think also too, it comes down to like when people work together, I mean, they have shared interests. You'd have to be like a COO role or like some sort of... Right. But I'd also have to like be interested in business that you're running. Right. You're not in this space. You support it. You're interested enough to like be supportive, but you don't really care about like launch strategy and like coaching systems. Well, and just like, and like just business, business for business's sake, right? I think that's something that's really interesting to you. And, and it's not quite frankly, not that interesting to me, you know, necessarily. But I did say COO because you are your real numbers guy, strategy guy, optimization guy. Andrew has a math degree, just to give you guys perspective. Like who the fuck has a math degree? I don't use it. I'm a mortgage loan officer. <laughs> he doesn't use it, but he is a numbers guy. I mean, you okay, you use it, but like not in the traditional, like you don't need that. Well, it's compatible with everything. That's what they, you know, the counselor at college told me when I when I was getting that. They were like, oh, you can do anything with this degree, which which is true, actually. You know, it is, it, you can do anything with it, which is another way of saying like, we have no idea. The other night I was talking with Maria about how I was like, you know, I learned about math for like my entire life up until I graduated college and then completely stopped doing any of it, right? Like quadratic formulas and differential equations and writing proofs. And I was like, you know, like learning things that like, you know, you don't learn unless you're a math major in, in college, you know, and obviously it's only undergrad, but still, you know, I mean, you can go even beyond that. But like, there's nothing that you do in life that's like, directly the same as like solving math equations like problem solving yes you learn how to be a problem solver of course which is what i am right i'm a, I'm a great problem solver but like 
I feel like if you go to business school, you learn how to run a business. And when you graduate, you go and work in a business and like you do all that. Or if you get a marketing degree, you go and work for a marketing firm and you do marketing things. But like math, it's like, unless you go and become a math teacher or a mathematician, which I don't even know what that means. Most mathematicians work for the government. I found out their title is literally mathematician. But like, what does that mean? You know, that you're a mathematician for the government and I got, maybe I just need to look into it. But unless you're doing that, getting a math degree is not correlated to any specific job because no one's just handing you problems of like, hey, solve this. But in a sense, people are handing you problems and saying, hey, solve this. It's just, you're not, you know, running. Yeah, you're not running differential equations. There's a very small like slice of the pie as far as roles within my business that could work for Andrew, but he would need to be interested in it. He would need the level of training and experience he would need to be able to step into that role to make it make sense in terms of like the industry and how my business operates would be kind of dumb. Like unless we saw as a long-term move of like this is going to be our business and what we do together forever, I don't think that would be worth it. Yeah, and I'd be curious, you know, to talk to people that do do that. I have a couple friends and then I have other friends who have brought their husband or significant other into their business and they didn't like it and they pulled them back out. So I think it, it can work if it's the right situation. Yeah, and I don't think you should be trying to force that. There needs to be a strong natural interest, a natural skill set fit. If it was a situation where we had kids and I wanted to keep my business and do that and be really involved and you weren't interested in working as much and you didn't have something you were passionate about, maybe I could bring you in to do our bookkeeping or like something like very part-time. But like, I don't, I just don't see a situation where that would make sense for us. Let's finish off with one last question. Let me find it. What has been your greatest challenge in your relationship from Jaden Panasovich? Our greatest challenge has been... In like two sentences. We don't need to rehash everything. <laughs> yeah, you go for it. If you have an answer, go for it. I would say navigating through so many different life stages and illnesses yeah definitely that as well but just like we have navigated through so many different seasons together that have all tested us in different ways like moving across the country multiple times both of us dealing with like chronic illness depression anxiety like changing careers like we have just had so much change i think our greatest challenge is that we've never done the norm We've never been able to really like settle in. Yeah. And I get it. Maybe that goes to our core values of we're always trying to get better. We're always trying to improve. And for me, our greatest challenge yeah, has been never feeling settled. But then again, we don't want to settle. Well, it's just like growth is always uncomfortable. So like we're right on track. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much for doing a podcast with me, babe. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Really appreciate it. We ran a little long, but that's okay. I think we had some great topics of discussion. I hope it gave you guys some insight into how we, if you guys can hear Sunny's heavy breathing, she's climbing all over Andrew right now. I hope that gave you guys some insight into how we approach stuff in our relationship, how I navigate romantic relationships in general as an ambitious woman. 
and just give you maybe, if anything, permission to have really high standards and not settle for a partner or a life or anything that's below what you most deeply and truly desire. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Appreciate your time and getting to hang out with you today. I will see you again, same time, same place next week, next Wednesday. But until then, grind and be grateful, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time with me today. I hope you loved this episode. And if you did, please take a moment to share it with someone or pop the screenshot up on your Instagram story and tag me. I especially love when you guys share a little on why you enjoyed the episode so that I can keep making more content that you want to hear. Last but not least, don't forget to hit subscribe and I will see you again next week. Until then, grind and be grateful, my friend.